Hi, I'm Jill Sylvester, licensed mental health counselor and author of the self-help book, Trust Your Intuition, 100 Ways to Transform Anxiety and Depression for Stronger Mental Health, and the young adult fiction novels, The Land of Blue and the Devon Dream Agent series. Each of my books deals with the themes of mental health and intuition, because for me, it all comes down to listening to and trusting your own inner voice in order to live your very best life. Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast. So this week, I am really looking forward to talking to our guest today, Christine McLeod, who is a registered dietitian and founder of Christine McLeod's Nutrition. She implements integrative and functional nutrition approaches in combination with medical nutrition therapy to help patients achieve optimal health. Focusing on treating not just the symptoms, but the root cause of illness, she analyzes how biochemical individuality, environmental impact, genetic predisposition, and psychological factors can impact balances within the body. Christine earned a Bachelor of Science from Bentley University and then went on to complete a didactic program in diet, how do you say that, dietetics? Yes. <laughs> dietetics. Perfect. Right. In dietetics and Master of Science in Nutrition and Health Promotion at Simmons College. She continued to build a conventional science foundation working as an outpatient dietitian at Mass General Hospital in Boston while simultaneously devoting a considerable amount of time to alternative health practices and functional nutrition coursework. Christine has completed advanced training in integrative and functional nutrition and is also a graduate of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I know a lot of our listeners have uh, been fans of that and been students of that program as well. And as a firm believer of food as medicine, Christine places focus on making whole foods more approachable for her patients regardless of cooking ability or cultural preferences. Growing up in a food-centric environment, she inherited a love for cooking, experimenting, and, of course, eating. At a young age, she began adapting recipes to make them more wholesome and nutritionally dense. Welcome, Christine, today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Okay, so lots to dive in here, and with a 30-minute mm -hmm. podcast, we're going to touch upon um, – something you and I have gone over um, prior to talking today about what we feel is important. One of those things, something I'm passionate about, I know you obviously are as well, is root cause of health. Your focus on that and investigating the why of why the body is out of alignment. So talk for a few minutes about that. Yes, absolutely. So I think one of the main reasons I decided to dive a little deeper into the functional medicine side of things is because I wasn't finding the answers from conventional medicine. Um, and this isn't the case for every doctor or every specialty, but oftentimes in conventional medicine, you are prescribed a medication to help with a symptom or sometimes a medication to help with a symptom caused by another medication. <laughs> and so I like to look at, you know, what is going on? Why is the body out of alignment? What can we do? to kind of help the core of what's going on before we start packing on medications or, or even just lots of supplements without knowing exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. I see this is extremely prevalent with IBS and gut issues. It's a very complex specialty, and it's hard to know exactly what's going on based on symptoms because bloating, gas, distension, heartburn, reflux, nausea, these are all very general feelings and symptoms. So it's hard to diagnose. Um, but oftentimes I see that, you know, doctors will be quick to prescribe proton pump inhibitors, which are like your Prilosex and things like that. And that can actually cause harm to the rest of your gut, 
Um, and if that's not actually what's going on, if you don't need that medication and your body is not producing or overproducing acid, for example, you're going to end up um, hurting your microbiome and making yourself more susceptible for pathogens and opportunistic to bacteria to come in and get comfortable. So mm-hmm. it's really important to know what is going on, then treat the the actual root cause, and then provide supplementation and nutrition recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's important for all aspects of health. I mentioned the gut because I think or um, well, I've seen one of the biggest trends within the last five years is there's a huge um, uptake on how many patients have gut symptoms. Even if patients aren't coming to me with, um, the, you know, with IBS as their diagnosis or with, you know, constipation or diarrhea or gas or something like that, let's say they're coming just for weight management, I always ask about the gut, and nine times out of ten, something's going on with the gut. Um, yeah. And they just accept it. And we shouldn't be accepting it. You know, we should be figuring out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a huge, huge topic, the whole gut thing, because um, I, I hear it as a therapist, you know, just people talking exactly what you're describing, going in, complaining about their stomach, getting medications, and having symptoms from the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, not knocking medication when you need it. That's what it's there for, and that's why I like the holistic approach that you take with being able to look at both sides. Um, but it's huge. I can't help but feel that there is an energy component to this. Think about it. Like, in your stomach, like, you know, where our self-esteem resides, right, the core of who we are, how we present to the world, how we take in information. So just just in thinking out loud here, you know, you talking about the trends you're seeing, and I want to talk more about that, and also just the things I see. It kind of makes sense from an energy perspective, too, that so much of uh, what's going on with us lies in the gut, you know, and, and how we think about ourselves and how we, how we uh, make decisions based on that. So talking more about the root causes, how do you – examine that? How do you determine it? And then what do you recommend for people? I understand it's an individual kind of a thing, but Mm -hmm. just in general, when you're looking at all of that from a functional perspective, what would you then say? What would be that course of action? So that's a great question. And so the first thing I do is a full detailed assessment, which usually takes about 90 minutes. And you know, you're not just asking about the symptoms, what they ate that week, you know, what their job's like, but you're going back sometimes to childhood to figure out, okay, were you on antibiotics for most of your childhood? Did you have multiple ear infections and strep and sore throats? Um, You know, were you breastfed? All of these things, were you a vaginal birth or a C-section? Like, all of these things will impact your microbiome and will also impact um, your immune system and all of that. So it's important to do a very extensive full assessment, which sometimes can take the entire appointment, and we're not even moving on to recommendations until the second or third appointment, um, which is challenging for patients, especially if you've been in pain or uncomfortable for years or months, you know, quick fixes aren't necessarily the best approach, but sure. Um, so like release might not happen immediately. So the assessment is really important. Um, I dive very deeply into lab work and usually request additional lab work if possible. And then of course there's um, additional functional medicine testing. So, you know, that could be food sensitivity testing. There's GI map testing, which is a stool sample, which looks at, your actual composition of your gut, um, and not just bacteria, but pathogens, uh, leaky gut markers, um, inflammation markers, autoimmune markers, all of that. So there's a lot of additional testing that sometimes is recommended, not always, um, to kind of get to those answers because I'm, 
and we hear this a lot in functional medicine, but it's test, not guess, is the best approach. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it, you can do an assessment all day long and talk to a patient, but sometimes it is really important to have that more analytical data to really pinpoint your recommendations, especially since some of the supplements and the protocols I recommend, you know, they're not cheap. Um, so we want to make sure we're doing exactly the most, you know, the most appropriate thing for the patient um, at that specific time. And I couldn't agree with you more about kind of like harvesting your energy in your gut. Um, you know, the gut-brain access is definitely there. And any time we're in fight-or-flight mode or chronically stressed, your gut will literally up- upgrade or downgrade your peristalsis. So you're going to get constipation or diarrhea. Those are symptoms of IBS. Um, your neurotransmitters aren't going to be made at the same rate if your microbiome is off. So all of that stuff has been clinically proven to be um, to be true, you know, Um which is why if you are constantly in this elevated state of stress, which I think most people are, and yeah. they actually don't even know it because they yep. don't, they're just used to it. And so, right. you know, I'm like, well, are you, do you feel really stressed? And so many of my patients are like, I'm always stressed. And I'm like, right. So you're probably always in fight or flight mode and your body isn't, your cortisol is high and you're not um, performing at an optimal level from a cellular or a, uh, a gut health perspective because of that. Yeah, and that's, I think, why it's so important. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on is to help people understand what they're doing to their bodies when they're mm-hmm. accepting this, like, you know, vibrational frequency within themselves, like just going along and being in this inflammatory state and just accepting it. Um, so, again, I know it's individual. And I, I understand all that. Just for listeners today, are there a couple of things that you would say are like no-brainer supplements or no-brainer strategies to deal with leaky gut, inflammation, just some things off the cuff that you've seen that are helpful for people? And if, yeah. and if you don't want to answer that and you think it's too hard to do, then totally, you know, shut that down. No, 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 of course not. That's a great question. And there are a lot of things that are pretty safe. Um, probiotics. So the other thing I should say is that when it comes to your gut health, since it is kind of like the root here of your core of your immune system, and once your gut becomes imbalanced, you're more susceptible for chronic disease, mental health conditions, autoimmune issues, um, food intolerances, chronic inflammation. So I think the most important thing is to not wait until you have symptoms. <laughs> um, yeah. We should always be working on making sure that we're preserving our gut integrity to the highest level that we can. Um, and one of the best ways to do this is eat a very balanced diet that is extremely high in plant matter. I'm not saying a vegetarian diet. I'm just saying lots of plants. So fruits, vegetables, starchy vegetables like potatoes and sweet potatoes. You know, the more fiber in your diet, the better. And the more fiber in your diet, the better is kind of a statement that I will say for pretty much every chronic condition. <laughs> You're only going to um, benefit from a high-fiber diet. Um, so definitely just making sure you're eating balanced. Um, and then from a supplement perspective, probiotics can be very helpful. Um, it's, it's tricky because um, they can also be a huge waste of money if you're not getting the right one or a good quality probiotic. So I encourage yeah. patients to speak with a clinician or a dietitian on a probiotic that would be best for them. If we do additional GI testing, we can see what your um, normal bacteria and opportunistic bacteria look like so we can more accurately prescribe a probiotic. Um, and then your prebiotics. So your prebiotics are those non-digestible plant um, matter that feed the probiotic. 
So it's really important to eat a diet um, high in prebiotics, like garlic, leeks, um, Jerusalem artichokes, inulin, those types of things. Those are going to really help your probiotics and your good bacteria in your gut kind of thrive and colonize. Um, okay. Yep. And then for other supplements, you mentioned inflammation, and I know you're big on omega-3 fatty acids, and so am I. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a great supplement to be on if you're on a good quality supplement. It's the worst supplement to be on if you're on a not-so-good one because yeah. Yeah. they yeah. are fatty acids that are unsaturated, so they have the ability to oxidize, and we never want something to be put in our body that's oxidized. So being on a really good quality omega-3 is helpful. Um, as Americans, we eat 20 times as much omega-6 as we should and not enough omega-3, and we should always have more omega-3 in our body than omega-6. So um, it's that that's a great supplement to be on for multiple reasons. Um, I mentioned probiotics. Vitamin D is great. Um, and then everything else is more individualized depending on what's going on with the patient. Okay. Yeah. Highly recommend people to uh... – check that out, you know, in terms of testing, um, you know, looking into that with you and exploring that. And I can just, I, I, I can sense people's ears perking up about all of that right now because mm-hmm. it's, um, it's so, so, so important. Um, and we'll circle back at the end of how people can reach out to you because I'm all about that with the testing and figuring it out. And again, the root causes, you know, because mm-hmm. if you don't get that, then everything else is symptom management and not Absolutely. and not understanding it. So, um, so it's, it's worth the time and the effort. Go ahead. Um, well, just one more thing about the supplements, too, is that we don't necessarily – sometimes we can get a pretty solid understanding of what's going on just based on your symptoms and your diet history as to whether or not you need a supplement. Um, so testing is really important, but, um, you know, sometimes we don't have to do that depending on the, the, the specific supplement. Awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. good to know. Excellent. Okay, so continuing on with trends, mm-hmm. definitely want to talk about this whole huge team, social media, TikTok, this whole thing. So talk to me, girl, about what you're seeing about all that because it's, oh. it's massive. It's massive. <laughs> right, it is. Um, it's So I definitely see more and more teens being drawn into TikTok to Instagram, more so TikTok than Instagram. Um and they're seeing, a, so they're seeing a lot of perfect bodies, um, a lot of fitness influencers, fashion influencers, nutrition influencers, and I think it's kind of it's it's it, on the positive side of things. It's allowing teens to become more interested in nutrition and wellness, but on the contrary, sometimes what these people are saying is just inaccurate, and it's giving misinformation to teens, and they're taking some of this stuff they find online as evidence-based science, and it's just not. Um, I see a lot of supplements being pushed through TikTok, which is the worst thing. These are all ads that are being paid for by the company. Um, Some of these, I would say probably the majority of these influencers don't even take these supplements, but they're claiming that they do and promoting them. Um, And that could be anything from, like, a green powder to a probiotic to a vitamin. Um, It's scary. Yeah, it's really scary. Um, And they're expensive. None of them are cheap. And then, you know, just from a mental health perspective, I think teens are just constantly being bombarded and they're just saturated all day long with these images of, you know, perfection and fitness and wellness. And it's really, really hard because, these, I mean, as you know, these things, they're not accurate. There's filters on these people. There's photo touch-ups. It's, it's very, very disturbing. And I think it's affecting teens more so now than it ever has. There's a lot of body shame going on, 
a lot of pressure. Um, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. What's what's um what's some of the things that you recommend to parents when they come to you uh, with their kids? I know I've referred families mm-hmm. to you. Um, so talk to me about what or talk to my listeners about what you recommend right off the get go when people are coming in saying, you know, my daughter's seeing this on TikTok and she's following all these people on social media and now she's, you know, getting this information and we think it might be hurting her. Like, what do you talk about in terms of like taking breaks in social media? What do you recommend? And mm-hmm. uh, I'll chime in on that after. Right, for sure. And I mean, you probably um, are giving these recommendations to parents a little bit more frequently than I am. I hate to tell a parent, you know, how to raise their child or what to do with their child, but I definitely think people, kids and teens are on social media way too much. Um, And I think the other thing is that education is so huge. So even if you're going to continue to allow your child to be on social media um, and, and, and Instagram and Facebook and, all, you know, all of these different outlets of, of social media, it's important to educate them as to the accuracy of the information. So working with a professional and clarifying the misinformation can be huge. Um, and then also explaining to them that these influencers, I don't know if most kids know that they're getting paid to promote all these products and right. that all of their photos are distorted. I, I don't know. Um, I would think probably most of them don't think that. So clearing up any of the misinformation out there about that is really helpful, I think. And then I'm just just such a huge advocate of educating as to, like, why the supplement is bad but this one is good or why Mm -hmm. the diet isn't appropriate for your body, how it's hurting your body. I think a lot of kids think, I'm young, I can do whatever, no big deal. But, you know, we will continue to build. We only have one body. And once we start, you know, disturbing the imbalances and the gut and – um, especially when you're is at such an impressionable age, when you're a teenager, especially for females, and you're, you know, you're setting yourself up for um, for being a woman in, in a couple of years, and um, and you're supposed to be building nutrition stores and your bone density and all that. So it's a very sensitive time, and if we are not um, eating balanced and we're you know doing fad diets or very restrictive diets or damaging our body in any way, you could have long term side effects um, into adulthood, which is not good. So I think sometimes being a little more frank with with the teens um, that are a little bit older and able to handle that is helpful, too. Yeah, I I agreed. Um, Because, like you said, it's a time-sensitive thing physically. It's a time-sensitive thing emotionally and mentally as well. Because if we are not having that communication with our kids, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up today is to let parents know, like, this this is, as big as this beast is, it's your responsibility as parents to limit this. This is it's a very hard thing to control and like you said, not not saying like, you know, telling each person how to parent per se or taking mm-hmm. it completely off social media. I mean, it's a way of life. But it absolutely has to be managed by the parents, particularly for the younger ones, um, because it is out of control. So taking breaks, educating like you said, and you know, communicating. And I like the positive that you said at the beginning, and I, I subscribe to this way of thinking, too, is that when you talk to kids who have kind of gotten themselves in a hole with this, to be able to turn it around and say, this is actually a good thing. Like, you're learning about things. You're obviously interested in nutrition. That's a good thing. You want to learn more about this, of what is right for your body and what isn't, so that you can grow into a strong, powerful woman. But like anything else, there's a dark and a light to it, and you have to look at all things um, because it's, it's hurting our kids. And I know you see it in your practice, this, this 
whole thing with, with girls and just the illusion of everybody else's perfect life, perfect bodies, perfect nutrition kind of thing. They're not seeing what's going on behind the scenes. Um, it, is, it is a detriment to our kids' physical and emotional health. So parents listening today, like, manage manage their time, pay attention, ask questions, communicate, like Christine's saying about education, like, really important to talk to your kids about it. And if you don't know all the specifics, because, you know, it's, it's just an overwhelming amount of information out there, then call in a resource and be able to get a nutrition on board. So many parents are looking at that now for kids. Um, because it's, it's only going to help them. So um, huge topic, and it's definitely something that we don't want to minimize or sweep under the rug because it is, it is a very impressionable time. So um, Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, approaching it from a family perspective, you know, everyone working on eating a more nutritionally dense diet as a family is going to be really helpful too, so everyone's kind of on the same page. Yeah, and role modeling, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, Absolutely. that's what it comes down to. Role modeling for your girls, your kids, both girls and, and girls and guys, young yep. young girls and guys. Um, it's it's important. So, okay. So for the sake of time, I want to move on to the whole menopause topic. Um, okay. So yeah. So let's let's talk about that and some general tips for women because I know we could make a whole podcast <laughs> about menopause. Right. Um, so so talk about what you're seeing, what you recommend, just in some general terms for our listeners. Of course. So generally speaking, when you're going through menopause, your estrogen is declining. Um, and when that ha- progesterone will also decline, but the, um, I think a little bit more of the symptoms and some of the reasons why women struggle with weight and flashes and things like that is more related to the decline in estrogen. So when we lose estrogen, fat metabolism actually changes, which is great. (laughs) So basically Mm -hmm. what's going to happen is you're more susceptible to gain fat, especially visceral fat, which is that abdominal fat. Um, Awesome, Christine. Awesome. (laughs) Right, right, right. I know, not to take a a turn for the um, a little bit more of a a downer of a topic here, I guess. But there's ways we can kind of combat this. We just have to be more careful. Um, I mean, we're never going to go again. Um, you know, what our body is destined to do, but mm-hmm. kind of like switching up um, our macronutrients can be helpful, especially when you're um, approaching menopause. Because of the changes in fat metabolism, it's more important to eat a higher protein diet and to monitor the carbs a little bit um, more carefully. And I'm not talking about doing, you know, keto or Atkins or some like extremely restrictive carb diet, but just focusing yeah, on that can make you irritable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We all need different levels of carbs. Some people do really well with more carbs, and some people do pretty well on a low-carb diet. It all depends on the person. Um, But focusing on, like, quality of carbs, uh, so, again, like, whole grains, your starchy vegetables, fruits, things like that, um, limiting the added sugars, fiber, 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 and, again, making sure you have enough protein in your diet because that's going to help keep your blood sugar regulated, and it's going to help with satiety, which I don't think a lot of people make that correlation that, you know, protein triggers satiety in the brain. So if you're eating a low-protein diet, you're going to walk around not being satiated, which is not good. Um, so that's that's really important. Um, and then, of course, all the obvious things like calcium and vitamin D. Your bone density is also going to um, begin to diminish with menopause because of the shift in estrogen. So, Calcium and vitamin D, um, usually I recommend a supplement unless someone's diet is just tip-top in terms of their intake of calcium and vitamin D, but it's tricky. So I usually recommend supplements for that. Um, and then 
exercise, strength training exercise is one of the best things you can do for your bone density and to increase your metabolic rate. So focusing on um, resistance training, strength training, more of those anaerobic exercises, um, those will help to increase lean body mass, which will increase your resting metabolism. Okay. Um, let's tie this into the whole thing about sugar. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when we have that sweet tooth, I know I'm again, guilty of charged with that, like every day uh, I want my sweet. So let's talk about some alternatives, um, you know, to the whole sugar thing, because I, I know, you know, with women too in the whole menopause thing, just hungry hearts, right? And people, mm-hmm. you know, talk about gaining the weight and so let's talk about some healthy alternatives to sugar, like I'm super into maple syrup right now and, you know, cooking with that as a sweet. So, so talk more about that and give us some tips and strategies on how to satisfy the sweet tooth but also keep it healthy and not the, like, white sugar. Absolutely. So so just one thing about that is that if we are eating, even if it is, you know, maple syrup or honey or something like that, yes, there is so many more benefits to those things, especially, you know, like a good natural local honey compared to white sugar, of course. But it's going to trigger the same reward center in your brain. So if you continue to eat a lot of these, even if they're healthy sugars, you're still going to trigger that same reward center, which is the the same um, reward center that um, dopamine runs off of. So that sugar addiction will still be there. So for my my true sugar addicts and people that are like, sugar is like my drug. Well, it technically is in your brain. So for those people, I, I say limit the sugar, even the natural ones, as much as possible to reset. Once we've reset you, then you can have more um, natural sources of sugar in your diet, like you mentioned, like honey and, and maple syrup and things like that. Fruit. Um, dates are a really good one. Um, there's a lot yeah, of um, one recipe that um, is actually pretty prevalent on TikTok is um, a peanut butter stuffed date dipped in chocolate. So there's uh, there's a lot of, like, more um, – you know, they're, they're sweet, but you're getting other nutritional elements from the dessert other than just sugar, which is great. Um, so those can be really helpful, too. And then um, coconut sugar is another one that people have been cooking with more often. You mentioned the maple syrup, molasses, things like that. And then a non-caloric sweetener, like a really good quality stevia or monk fruit can be helpful, too. Um, but, again, these things are all sweet, and they're still going to trigger that same reward system in the brain. So not overdoing any of this is helpful to kind of reduce overall cravings every single day, especially if you're someone that tends to um, have more of a sweet tooth than a savory tooth. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really, really good information. Um, I could talk to you all day long. We're <laughs> definitely going to have to have you on again and dive even deeper into some of these uh Topics that we've started today. So, um, okay, so in the meantime, how can people find you, reach out to you, make an appointment with you, and learn more about your work? Of course. So I have a website, um, which is miklosnutrition.com, and they can reach out to me via email. My email is on the website as well as a contact, um, a little contact page where they can fill in their information and, um, and submit a request that way. Um, and, of course, just if they wanted to email me at christine at com anytime, I'd be happy to jump on a quick call. I offer um, discovery calls to all of my patients that are interested in setting up an appointment, so I'm happy to talk to anyone. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for your expertise today. Always love the uh, integrative approach. I think it speaks well to this audience and, um, and, you know, really helps educate people on looking at things from that whole perspective. And, um and it's 
and it's good stuff. So thank you so much for being on today, Christine. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like today's podcast, please hit subscribe and share with your people. And please check out my books and products at www.jillsylvester.com, where you can sign up for my weekly blog to receive tips and strategies to deepen your intuition and live your very best life. Thanks for listening.